The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from Insider Closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. Can you relate in feeling that you just don't have the energy that you once did? Or maybe you're feeling old, like before your time. I just heard a good friend say that last night. He just turned 50 and he's like, oh, I think I've like hit middle age and you know, I just heard like the blah, the depression in his voice. Maybe you're experiencing your energy up and then down and your mood swiftly follows. You know, depression, mood disorders. We're in the middle of winter as we're recording this and where we are, it's pretty blah out there. So we're definitely dealing with the blahs. You know, have you noticed that you're, you're maybe rather than just the blahs, your mood has generally changed over the last little while? Maybe you've got some brain fog in the morning and then it hangs around during the day where you didn't quite get there in terms of your thought process, that word on the tip of your tongue and all of that kind of stuff. Well, all of this can have a lot to do with your metabolism. What do you mean? Oh, hang on a minute. I didn't know what my metabolism was. We're going to get to that. Now, in setting up the first episode of the year in a chat with Dr. Davis Brockenshire, a functional medicine expert who has graced these airways many, many times, after a few questions that I asked him, he said, let's talk about metabolic flexibility. Now, while you might think, what kind of twerky yoga pose is that? Or, you know, maybe is that some sort of flexible way of dealing with how I'm going to the bathroom, seeing as a lot of people think that, you know, your metabolism has something to do with bowel movements? Well, it's actually about your body being able to use multiple fuel sources for energy. Now, we all want to feel energetic and balanced throughout the day without, hopefully, the highs and lows with some keen focus when you need to, some serious productivity, and a lot less of that grumpy sort of jittery, maybe starting to get a headache, feeling off, or even just wanting to lay your head down to have a nap. Now there's a state where you don't have to, or hopefully won't be looking for the next food to hit that cup of coffee that you just have to have or something to keep you going and that you can feel far more even keeled all day long. But then what's going on behind the scenes in your cardiovascular system and the inflammation that's going on, that just becomes a whole other stable state that means that you are metabolically flexible. Being some sort of different person might feel like, okay, it's January again as we're recording this. I got to do something really, really different in order to change my trajectory. Well, what if it's just a few steps, few continuous steps as you move forward? There is a place that maybe you can't even imagine just yet where you get to sit there and you feel good. You feel grounded. You feel balanced all day long rather than just thinking, oh, God, I'm middle-aged and i got to figure out how on earth am I going to get out of this or maybe even just accept that this has happened. This happens to be where I am. Now, with a quote that I heard or someone said this the other day, Dr. Sarah Godfrey on a podcast I was listening to to research a little bit more about this, nine out of the 10 top killers of people are related to metabolism. Okay, so I think I just got your attention with that. Now, when I heard it, I knew and understood even deeper why Dr. B wants to talk about this topic with us. Today on Eat This with Leanne, metabolic flexibility. What on earth is it? Why do you need to know about it and strive for it? Why do you care about this whole new topic? And of course, what can you do about it? All right. So if you're new around here, maybe you found a new podcast called Eat This with Leanne. It's January and you want to try out something new. You may not know yet just how incredible of a clinician and functional health uh, expert Dr. Davis Brockenshire is. 
every time he comes here, he blows our minds just in the way that he is able to communicate, to break down things with such incredible expertise and really just helps us to to understand. Now, going into this episode, just know that it's pretty normal for a lot of our lovely loyal listeners to listen to this once or twice to really let things sink in a little bit deeper. Now, Dr. Davis, he lives in, or Dr. B actually, as he's called, he lives in Michigan, so just south of the border. And his clinic in Plymouth, Michigan is called Innovative Health Solutions. I'll put that link in the show notes over on leannephillipson.com. Now, he's actually someone who I have sat in a car for over eight hours, driven across the border with my kids to go and see and come back again. And I'm so grateful to be able to call him someone who looks after myself and my kids, also a great friend and an incredible, incredibly respected colleague. So welcome back and happy new year, Dr. B. What everybody maybe actually probably never thought that they needed to talk about, but here we are and (laughs) you brought up the topic. So I'm going to let you lead and tell us all about it. Oh boy. Happy new year, Leanne. Thanks for having me back. You brought it up. You started talking about a CGM. Oh, that's right. Glucose monitors. And I said, well, how's your metabolic flexibility? You two have conversations that I will never have. <laughs> <laughs> a great pickup line of a only fan. Metabolic flexibility. How's your funny. metabolic flexibility? Is it some sort of twerky yoga move? Or, you know, is it, you know, what on earth is this? So let's, so let's take a step back before we even get to that. Because I have heard so many clients refer to metabolic metabolism as uh, the the amount of times or the frequency of their bowel movements um, and all sorts of other crazy stuff. So let's just put all of that to bed and really clarify. It's a, a word that people often use as a crutch or an excuse. You know, I can't do that. My metabolism won't let me, or I was born this way. My metabolism is genetic. Right. Metabolism really just boils down to how your body creates energy through the fuel that you're giving it. And so one of the ways I explain metabolism to people is it's like the app store for your DNA. If you want to download new information, you need to go through the app store on your phone, right? And your metabolism is like that because when you put fuel in your body, you're basically downloading new software into your cells. There's really no other way to talk to your DNA externally other than fuel. So that's the old adage of, you know, you are what you eat. But from a, if you think in terms of computers and phones, it's, it's really what kind of software quality are you putting on your phone? And, you know, are we going to have malware in your diet type of thing? Or glitches or things yeah. that are going to go wrong. And even further to you are what you eat, it's really you are what you digest, absorb and take into your cells. Correct. But metabolism begins with the sense of smell. And then you go to the sense of taste. And that's why the last three years have been interesting for people metabolically, because if you lost your sense of taste and smell, your metabolism suffered. So weight gain around COVID, you know, is a real thing. And it's not just because we were all glued to the TV, drinking alcohol and eating. Making bread. Yeah, exactly. So if we just put the nail in metabolism as fuel management system, what screws up fuel management? Well, you need the best fuel possible, but if the fuel's polluted, if you buy bad gas, you're not going to get great performance. And that's pretty much what ruined most people's metabolism. So we talk about the flexibility point of view, and that really boils down to, can you go without eating for more than four to six hours? Do you have to replenish your blood sugar regularly? Can you burn fat? Can your body switch between fuel sources if it has to? You know, back in the day, we used to travel a ton, running through airports, and I was always blown away by people who are about to take a two-hour flight, but they've got to get a full-course meal to bring on the plane because what happens if they don't eat for two hours? Right. Bro, you can can get through two hours without a potbelly sandwich. You're going to make it. (laughs) Right. So this flexibility idea goes back to, you know, um, all forms of flexibility, cellular flexibility, genetic flexibility, hormonal flexibility. Uh, As everybody knows, certain times of the month or the day, you feel like you need to eat more. Mm -hmm. And the one that's really got me stammered with clients is a lot of people just can't stop eating in the evening. Yeah. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm racking my head around it. And what I figured out is if you're the kind of person that you get home, you had a hard day, you sit down, you're finally starting to relax. You had dinner and you're thinking, I need a snack and another one and another one and another one. And now it's 11 o'clock and you're going to bed with a full belly. Yeah. That destroys your metabolism because mm-hmm. now your body's working all night to deal with this fuel that it really can't use easily. Uh, so what's really happening to you is you're looking for serotonin. You're, you're craving something to make you feel better. And mm-hmm. serotonin can be produced in the gut when you fill your belly with snacky snacks. When I would pour over the food diaries that my clients would give me, and I would see that they were snacking in the evening, I always start with breakfast if people are eating breakfast and they're not intermittent fasting. And depending on the breakfast that they had, if there was no protein or fat in it, then they would be on that yo-yo all day long. And it is nearly impossible to not want that evening snack because your blood sugar crashes. Now, if you do have a continuous or a flash glucose monitor, like I've been wearing for the past little while to confirm that, um, otherwise you just know that you feel like crap. And yes, therefore you're looking for that serotonin boost, but I don't know, maybe the breakfast, do you think? Yeah, if you don't start your day with at least 20 grams of protein somewhere in the first few hours of waking, you're going to set your day up for uh, metabolic inefficiency where your body's going to want to run on glucose and uh, it doesn't like that. Just to preface, any recommendations or uh, advice that I talk about today is for your what I call average metabolic human over the age of 18. Okay. If you're an endurance athlete or you're training more than eight hours a week with fitness, rules are a little different, but in general, those are going to be our guidelines. Um, that being said, if, you know, being it's January, everybody's on the exercise bandwagon. If you are an athlete training more than eight hours a week, you need to fuel regularly. Intermittent fasting wouldn't be a good idea because you're creating a calorie debt. And in my years of coaching athletes, the number one thing we do with fitness in the winter is train your metabolism. And what I mean by that is runners and cyclists and CrossFitters, they need to train their body to burn fat at high output. That way you don't collapse. You don't have the bonk. You're not sucking gel packs every three kilometers on a run. You should be able to run a 10K without eating. Unless you're, you know, measuring your mile markers between gas stations or Tim Hortons, and then that's <laughs> difficult. Um, I remember back in the day, we used to do a mountain bike race behind the uh, rest area in Kitchener on the 401 with the McDonald's. Oh boy. And every time we'd go by this one straightaway, all you would smell was McDonald's. Mm. Oh boy. And everybody's like, like I got to eat, I got to eat, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's the sense of smell, turning on chemistry, uh, and then taste activates bitter receptors. But yeah, if you're an athlete, this is uh, this is more for everybody that's not trying to beat themselves up with exercise. And for ever anyone who is overweight, who is um, diagnosed as diabetic or not, like do they fall into this category as well? Yeah, anybody with a diagnosed metabolic condition like diabetes or thyroid disease. You want to, you know, um, really listen to your data. You've got to be checking your sugar or get a CGM. Um, The other thing that's really important for metabolism is tracking your sleep. Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of person that constantly wakes up between one and three in the morning, no matter what, your blood sugar is screwed up. So your metabolism is uh, having a difficult time in the evening. This is Eat This with Leanne. But let's let's get back to brass tacks and talk about dollars. Dollars. I was going to say, how on earth would you? How would you know? Can we just have a little laundry list of how would you know if you are not metabolically flexible, or there's something that you need to start paying attention to about your metabolism? Because this could be something that sort of feels a little out there for people. Mm-hmm. Like how 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 would someone feel? Well, if you think about. How do you measure your flexibility in phys ed? 
Oh, touch your toes. I haven't seen my toes since 2014. There you go. <laughs> the new one is sit cross-legged and then stand up without using your hands. I'm sorry, don't what? do it, Chris. No, just don't I... do it. Oh, no. I was just trying to visualize that one. <laughs> so, yeah, the biggest, the easiest way to know if you're metabolically flexible is can you go without food for more than five hours and not completely turn, you know, Dr. Jekyll into Mr. Hyde type of thing. Okay. Or headache or shaky or just all those low blood sugar. Any symptoms of hypoglycemia. If if you get really mean, uh, lightheaded. Yep. Basically if your coworkers are throwing a Snickers bar at you, you not please eat. Yeah. Okay. Um, If you, Plan your entire day around what you're going to eat next. Yeah. And we have to be concerned. But we also want to look into the uh, psychological aspect. You know, there's there's a huge emotional relationship with food in most people. Mm-hmm. And that's their that's their safety net, their crutch. So you want to make sure that that's not the case. So if it's truly biochemical, if it's truly glucose, and you just can't go without eating, you or or you have to have caffeine or nicotine to make right. you feel better. That's a sign of inflexibility. All things being equal too, you want to look at fat deposits around the middle of the body. If you're seeing the big liver belly starting or ladies, if if your glutes are getting a little bigger than glutes should be, yeah. that's a sign that insulin is becoming inefficient. You know, it's interesting when you look at the last 50 years, since we can date ourselves, if you think about the 70s and 80s, kids under 18, there really wasn't obesity. We didn't have, I mean, metabolically, we could, you know, eat anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the 64-ounce Slurpee with a box of chocolate-covered oh raisins. and I remember cycling right? to 7-Eleven and that yeah. monstrous... God knows what color, red or blue, I'm sure. Slurpee. thousand grams of carbohydrates. Oh, my God. So then wow. today, this week in the U.S., the American Academy of Pediatrics has approved that children age 5 to 17 should be recommended weight loss medication oh, or weight that. loss surgery. What? Honestly. Yeah. What? In Why in the world would sanity. we need we yeah. need, we, are, we we need it? That's the weird part. We actually need we this. Do. Oh, yeah, if there needs to be an emergency intervention because we're now over fifty percent of the population being obese. Uh, I've always said if your BMI is OMG, you got a problem. <laughs> well, right? listen, I went on to a I went on to a, an app, a Better Me app or something. It was called. I can't remember now. To okay. to sort of help organize some some uh, some workouts and things like that moving forward. Um, and I'm about five, seven, five, eight. Uh, I weigh about 200 pounds that my BMI is high. It, it considers me obese. But when yeah. I consider myself, I look at myself, I don't feel that way. Right. Is there, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, so there's something to be said for that, isn't it? I mean, when we say obese, are we blurring that line a little bit? Or Absolutely. BMI is, is one method of measurement. Right. And, and not, a great, not a great one. Yeah, it's okay. just a chart. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. then people it's shouldn't true. get too crazy about the yeah. fact that some app right. somewhere says to them, well, your BMI is 30, and therefore you're obviously obese and, you know. I, I mean, it's a metric. Okay. So let's say in another three months, that number goes down. Then, okay, that's just one of the metrics that you can use. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Davis, but, you know, hip or sorry, waist to hip ratio or just measure your belly, right? Just how are your jeans feeling? What what belt buckle? As long as it's not going in the expansive direction, <laughs> then you're probably doing the right thing. Um any other metrics? Can Chris go have a, a blood test? Or what's the one called for insulin resistance, Davis? Well, you can measure your fasting insulin. That's what I recommend everybody do. And that gets me some blood tests. Um, you can do what's called a BIA, which is a, a bioimpedance assessment. And that's an electrical thing. You just hold two probes or you stand on a scale and bare feet. And it'll measure body fat percentage, metabolic age, all that stuff. Right. I think um, one of the gyms I used to go to did that. But what yeah. can people do at home right now to figure out like, oh, my oh God. easy. Uh, everybody get naked. Stand in front of a oh, full length no. mirror with the lights on. 
Not not right this second. Huh? Yeah. On this as we're recording. I, I already got my pants half off. <laughs> that's because you're in the bathroom. Oh that's why he muted it. Um, yeah. So you want to look at yourself and be honest, stare in the mirror, full length mirror with the lights on, completely naked. Oof. Take an yep. assessment, turn sideways, take a look at yourself. Don't yep. suck it in. Just breathe normal. Can I yep. bring a box of Kleenex in with me? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty yep. sure I'm going to start crying. <laughs> you could you could take a take a photo if you feel okay about that. Whoa, too. whoa, you know, whoa. That might be a bit a bit too vulnerable for some people. A, a Polaroid, and, and maybe. It's not, not a, it's not that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that you're going to put it on social media, but that's for yourself. And it is. It's you might need the box of tissues. It's yeah. it's a tough thing to mm. really look at yourself. And, and, you know, I mean, body image issues aside, right. um, you know, we don't often do that. You kind of go by, oh, yeah, oh, my pants just came out of the dryer. They're a little, they're a little, or my jeans, <laughs> they're just a little bit tighter this time. Oh, they'll loosen up. So by the end of the day, and I do recall reading my DNA results about I am more likely to deposit fat in my behind mm-hmm. and my abdomen. Um, but even without that, I mean, I probably have known that that's more where any extra weight will carry. But now I feel it down the back of my legs. So when I put on certain pants or like work trousers or something like that, I'm like, what on earth is that feeling? But I can't actually see it because it's really behind me. If someone took a picture of me from behind, straight from behind, that would be a view that I have never seen unless I had a mirror in the right place. So it's all these things to lovingly improve your awareness of where you're at right now so that you can then pat yourself on the back with the progress that you're slowly going to make. You may not notice it so much in a photo, but maybe a measuring tape, you know, where you go around your leg or go around your waist or something like that so that you yourself can kind of track and see what it is rather than just using stretchy pants or not, because that's not going to work. (laughs) I I do think that we have a problem in society from the uh, point of view of body image being a little bit old school and I also compete in a sport where the uniform is spandex. So right. everybody's looking, <laughs> right. Um, you know, imagine a speed skater, right. With a 38 inch waist, you're just going to be like, right. Oh man, get <laughs> yeah. low. Um, and, yeah. But in all fairness, our world has forced our metabolic functions to change. Yeah. You know, I, as a mammal, we really haven't, seen a world like this before so because many of us still have thrifty genes and i don't mean blue jeans our dna says you know it looks like all hell's about to break loose we better prepare for the apocalypse so Mm -hmm. it starts changing metabolism for preservation and that's why you start depositing fat around the big movement muscles the quads the hams the glutes the pecs and guys And that's just because of our stress perception. Uh, We do know, interesting fact about COVID is once you've had it, if you are morbidly obese, your fat cells continue to drip spike protein, which then continually raises your inflammatory levels and so on and so forth. So it's very difficult to get ahead of the inflammation. And the inflammation is what causes more and more dysfunction in the metabolism because it's a feedback loop. Mm. Uh, you know, they've done studies where if you smell popping popcorn, yes, you already start raising chemistry in your body to go <sighs> nom, 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 extra butter. Right. We're just wired that way. So when you break that habit, like I broke my donut habit and it was, it took about three months, not shock therapy, just, you know, no bad dog smack. <laughs> right. It's taken I me 46 years. <laughs> and I'm still not there. It's harsh, man. Yeah. There's emotional components with donuts as a Canadian. <laughs> um, but when you break it, you never really realize just how much of an impact gluten and fat and sugar have on you. Uh, so another marker for metabolic flexibility is, is your poop sticky. Ooh, so that's a if your really good one is sticky and you have to use more than four or five wipes, you're not metabolically flexible because you're you're not moving bile correctly. You're not completely breaking down your fuel. Now, if you don't know what your poop looks like as you haven't pooped in a week, you're not metabolically flexible either. (laughs) You know, so transit time with food, 
Yep. You know, if, if you eat a big can of corn, if you don't mm-hmm. see corn for a week, that's not a good sign either. Yep. But we do need to look at our stool. And the other thing, like I said, is sleep. Right. If your sleep is broken, then your metabolism is broken. So if you want to do one thing, it's really respect the sleep cycle. And a little, just to go quickly, a little deeper on that. So um, recently, and this is an interesting one because there was a time when maybe one of the last times that you and I were together at an actual conference, you tested me in front of the group of doctors and you tested me with my iWatch, my Apple Watch on and off. And I needed more drainage by having my Apple Watch on than I did if I didn't. So as a rule, I do not wear my Apple Watch to bed. And then I thought, well, my daughter's got my aura ring. So how am I going to track my sleep? So I put my watch back on. Mm. And it gives you information and data. And again, this is like another metric just to understand yourself a little bit more. How are you sleeping? If you are waking up in the middle of the night, notice the time. How is your REM sleep? How is your deep sleep? There's three different markers. I can't think of the third one right now. Light. Um, light. Okay. So how much REM sleep, if somebody does have the, the ability to track their sleep with their device, how much REM sleep is ideal? So let's back it up and talk about how much sleep do we really need? Okay, sure. Some people say eight, some people say six, some people say 10. Yeah. What it really boils down to is the percentage of quality sleep. So, you know, as a rule, deep sleep is number one, because okay. that's where your brain resets itself. And that's where your immune system resets itself. Okay. So you need 20% of your total sleep as deep sleep. Cool. If you only got an hour of sleep, but you had 20 to 25 minutes of deep sleep, you are flying. You're great. Okay. Um, same for REM. So if you can get the same amount, like 15 to 20% of REM sleep in a sleep cycle, you're doing great. What most people will notice is if their metabolism is broken, they're only going to get a couple minutes of deep, three to five minutes. Okay. And the rest will be light. And light sleep is where you're you're sleeping, but you know, you can kind of hear something, the dog on the floor, neighbor That's across been me the this hall. past week. Yeah. Yeah, click, you're click, click on my dog. You're sleeping, but you're not really resting. Right. So when you look at the deep sleep part, if you don't get deep sleep over a period of time, you're rapidly aging your brain. As a, as a brain guy, you know, running a brain clinic, when we look at cognitive decline and degenerative brain conditions like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, etc., there's a direct correlation with metabolism. Lack of deep sleep is your early warning sign for brain disease, but you know, you've got 20 to 30 years to fix it. And I wasn't joking about dollars because, you know, right now the world economic forum is doing their thing in Davos. So if you're a conspiracy theorist, you're already like, Whoa, it's happening. (laughs) But the dollars and cents coming out of that group show that by 2030, the industrialized world will be spending about $5 trillion a year on metabolic conditions. That's trillion. That's U.S. dollars. On the diseases that have come from... On the management, not the treatment, because they're technically not curable. So if you want to save some money in a high inflationary environment, fix your metabolism. I actually did a radio segment the other day about how to, you know, kind of eat healthy on a bit more of a budget. And the story that they sent me to comment on was someone who talked about intermittent fasting as a way to save money. So, because there, because I mean, it does just happen because you don't, you don't have as much, it's an eight hour window, typically an eight hour window of eating. So you're skipping a whole meal. So there's this whole article in the newspaper about a woman who had, who had decided to intermittent fast and then thought, oh, hang on a minute. I'm actually saving money by doing this. And I said, actually, if everybody did that, that not only save money, but then also we'd have a lot healthier people. So it would kind of like across the board, it's actually not a bad thing to do. Remember the rule right now is keep people out of the hospitals because there's right. not enough doctors and nurses. Yeah. So we can take responsibility and to start to start to do these things. And yeah. I absolutely said, the host said, I don't know that I can do that. Well, first of all, that means that you're metabolically inflexible 
to your point that you said earlier, if you don't think that you can do that. And my recommendation is always to get to that 12 hour window where you're giving yourself 12 hours with no food. Cause that's sometimes, sometimes people just do that anyway and they don't realize. And it just, it's a bit easier. And to your point of that midnight snacking is, okay, if you can finish eating at 7 p.m. and then have breakfast at 7 a.m., It doesn't feel mentally, it doesn't feel like you're depriving yourself quite as much or work up to that, or maybe even realize, oh my God, I've been doing that for ages, or actually I'm doing for 14 hours already. So it's moving in that direction. And I've been doing intermittent fasting for quite a while, like a number of years now. And since I've had this glucose monitor on, it's been really interesting to have the data to go along with what I'm doing. So uh, I'll do like a whole other podcast about that and how people can get their own and start to use this metric and all of those kind of things. Cause it's very different in the U S to how it is in Canada. And I've managed to jump through a few hoops. So I'll share how I did that. Um, but that intermittent fasting piece is again, it's kind of like, you know, like Chris, you measuring yourself at home, you get to figure out how can I do make these small changes so that it's not hard right turn into doing all the kind of typical resolution type things in January? I think I can fix this whole this whole metabolic thing, this whole uh, this lack of, of of exercise thing, this wait times in the ER. Just start building hospitals in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. And so the only way in is emergencies only can take vehicles. Everyone else, it's either it's either you portage, you walk your way in, whatever it is. Portage. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you better have an emergency. You better need a hospital because if you don't, it'll fix everything. Give us yeah. give us a nice hike into the hospital. It'll fix uh, wait times because there'll be maybe three people in there. That'd be perfect for yeah. the broken ankle Abs- victim. <laughs> OK, so. There, there are some logistic piggyback. things. You'll get will... someone else metal be strong because they'll have to piggyback you in. <laughs> <laughs> or just sit on the top of the canoe of whoever's portaging. <laughs> All right. So why, like, okay, so we've sort of danced around the issues of metabolic flexibility. But like, again, another kind of laundry list of like, why do we care about being metabolically flexible? What are we avoiding? What are we trying other than trying to stay out of the hospital, what, you know, what kind of things from yeah. vanity, from vanity to just long, long life, get to see your grandchildren kind of thing. You don't want the beatus. You know, we're, we're all being told we're going to have diabetes. Right. And and they keep changing the ranges. And in, in the U S they really make it fun for us where half the numbers are metric and half the numbers are imperial. So as a doctor, <laughs> you're very confused. Oh, I'm doing, I've, I've already done the calculations and I've posted yeah. some so, As we go through life, metabolically, things do slow down over time. And that's mainly because we just run out of energy for energy. And we're using all of our energy to repair stuff. You know, it's like you wouldn't beat on a 50 year old Ford. You drive it gently because it might explode. Mm. It's just had a lot of miles. And metabolically, we do wear things out. But the biggest change in the last 50 years has been the extremely large amount of environmental poisons that have entered our food supply and our daily living. We know that those envirotoxins cause metabolic dysfunction. So it's a bit of a body shaming thing to think about diabetes as just diet and lifestyle. It's a fact guaranteed, scientifically proven that environmental toxins will cause diabetes. Wow. So when you look at demographics for diabetes, the communities with the lowest household income typically have the highest level of diabetes. And that's not because they're eating too much food or not moving enough. They're eating very poor quality food. They use, you know, if you think of places like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, they they win every year for the most obese population. But they also use the most amount of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides Mm -hmm. to keep all the bugs out of the house. Right. And, uh, you know, those things destroy your metabolism. So one of the ways to reset or improve your efficiency is an old fashioned detox. It's simple. Whatever you were doing, stop it and try something new. Okay. If you don't want to change your diet habits, then change the timing of your diet. Right. Like you said, time-restricted eating, 7-Eleven, stop by 7, start by 11 the next day. Just deal with it. 
how, how long do you think it would take someone if they, you know, if they like wake up today and they're like, right, that's it. I'm not going to eat until 11, but they feel like crap in the meantime. Water, water, water. Okay. And then they will adapt. Yeah. Unless you have a diagnosed blood sugar disorder. The, the, the disgusting part here in science is eggs are good, eggs are bad. Butter's good, butter's bad. Eat lots of fat for diabetes. Don't eat any fat for diabetes. Heart disease can be cured with keto. No, you need to be vegan. Right. Everybody's got supporting evidence for all of it. But the only one that's consistent is time-restricted eating. So even if you just ate frittatas for eight hours only, but you didn't eat for 16 hours, you're basically bypassing that whole macronutrient component as long as you're getting good quality fuel. And the most important part of time-restricted eating is what are you going to break your fast with? Ooh, good question. That's number one. So your most important thing about intermittent fasting is what you do to break your fast. So if you're going to eat at 11 a.m., what are you going to eat? Are you going to have a, you know, not a bowl of cereal, not a bowl of cereal. No, you need to have a complete whole food matrix. Personally, I think a low dairy omelet is great Yeah, because you can load your omelet with vegetables, shrooms, broccoli, peppers, you know, you're getting your fiber and your carbs from your veggies. Yep. And then if, if you're one of the very few people in society that can still afford eggs, then you can do this. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, if you know a farmer with some chickens or some ducks, good eggs. Okay. So if someone can't do eggs or doesn't like eggs. Then if you want to look at some vegan sources, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good food choices in the Indian diet from India. So like tikka masala or any of the chickpea dishes that are mixed with vegetables, you know, you can buy them prepackaged, just dump them in a pan, add whatever, you know, vegetarian source of protein you want to keep going with that. Okay. Um, a little bit of rice. Remember when it comes to vegan or vegetarian, the idea is you only need enough starch to hold together your vegetables where a lot of people think I'm going to have a big bowl of rice and then put some stuff on it. Ah. Put the stuff in the bowl and then add a little bit of rice. Rice. Got it. Okay. Same with the Mediterranean food. You don't need all that pasta. You want all the veggies. Right. Don't be afraid of the oils. You want good oils, good fats. Yeah. Watch out for the canola oil. Stuff yeah. will rob you blind. Your, veg- your vegetable, your corn oils, all of those kind of things. And you really need to also ask if you're buying something like, you know, and let's say, let's say that you were you know, on your way to work. And the only thing that you could do was to go past, you know, a Tim's type place or something Mm -hmm. like that. And you just think, okay, best of the bunch here, maybe it's the chili, let's say, you know, something like that. That could be a good one as opposed to a bagel and cream cheese. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Not metabolic, not for your metabolism though. No, not another one that's really easy. If you have a kitchen, Right. Is you can just stir fry up your veggies and throw some meat in it. Yeah. Um, and in our office, you never know what's coming out. But, you know, food like kimchi, tuna, peanut butter, right. don't eat them all together. And wow. Does that stink. Yeah. yeah. But you can prep your food. So if you're going to break your fast at work and you're actually yep. going to work and not working from home, then you can bring the food with you. Um, right, right. My daughter's a pro at that. She brings a hot lunch every day in a the thermos. Mm-hmm. You never know what's in it, but it's it's homemade food. It might right. be, I don't know how you take lasagna and put it in a round thermos, but she does it. Well, my kids have done that for years. But sushi's things, a good things one. like nut butters. Oh, really? Yeah, sushi's good as long as it's not all rice. Just right. remember, rule number one, never buy sushi from a gas station. And note number two is never eat a tuna fish sandwich from a vending machine. You just never know. <laughs> number one source of parasites and food poisoning. Got it. Yep, in, in the, there. In, yep. In the fish. In the fish. In yeah, the I think fish. it was I think it was chicken salad. That's what I got from the vending machine. Bad choice. Bad, oh. bad choice. Winslow, Arizona, right? Uh somewhere around there. <laughs> I had a I remember being on a flight to oh, it was to Concordia. On a flight, day, on, a flight uh. on the way to to Santa Barbara. Must have been. No, to L yeah, to LAX and we were going to a physica conference in Santa Barbara and I got on the plane and the only, you know, I didn't have any food. So I got a, a chicken wrap and ate it. But the time we landed and I was walking off the plane, I did a, a sharp right into the bathroom, immediately threw up everything that I'd just eaten and then just 
had to leave. It was insane. It was the fastest, fastest situation of food poisoning I'd ever had. You have a smart body. Uh, right. I was very, I was grateful. That's right. I actually thought, wow, that is, you know, and we're starting to land. I'm like, oh, I feel a little nauseous here. And then everybody gets up and I'm like, okay, people, I might have to jump over you any minute now, (laughs) you know, as I get closer to the front of the plane. As Leanne pushes the woman out of the wheelchair, get out of the way. I know, right? (laughs) Well, that was one of the benefits of having masks on the plane is if you had to hurl, you hurled into your mask. Oh, no, too far, Davis, too far. No, that's just I've seen it. It works. That's awful. Only in an N95 one because it's more like a cup. Okay, let's change the subject. (laughs) Exercise. Today on Eat This with Leanne, metabolic flexibility. In terms of this is really how our bodies are able to use different fuels so that you maintain your energy throughout the day. Correct? Yeah. What are the different types of energy? That you're talking about we, what you want to avoid is the crash right in ideal situations for example if you look at a hockey game a professional hockey game couple hours you need to be able to maintain stable levels of glucose now they are eating snacky snacks between periods etc but as a rule of thumb your body can only store roughly 90 minutes of glucose for utilization okay. so after that you're out you can't make more easily So the idea is to train your body to burn the fat that's available, particularly in the liver, so you could literally go all day moving without eating. Right. And I'm sure everybody knows somebody somewhere that can go out and chop wood for eight hours and all they've had is coffee and cigarettes and they feel fine. Now, I wouldn't say they're metabolically flexible, but their body knows how to burn fat, obviously. Right. And I think we've lost that ability as a society because food is so readily available. Uh, yeah, you, know, you can stop at any old restaurant and get anything yeah. or you think, oh, I'd have a bit of a craving. I really fancy something. And, you can and anything you want. Yeah, it is available all the time. Now, yeah. you just mentioned the hockey player. You're watching, you know, these guys, these women, they're on the ice. They're pushing it all the time. What about the average person that's just kind of going from the office to home or shopping or going about their day? For them to be me- metabolically flexible means that they're not crashing when they get, you know, right. to the to the bank on the way home or they Making can make they decisions. Yeah. Because as yeah. your sugar drops, you start to get weird. So and the whole that happened is- after I ate sweet potatoes. Yeah. Not best friends, unless it's piled on, piled with, uh, yeah. you know, eggs, uh, like all anything. What did I do? I did like halloumi and and sesame seeds. What did and- you call me? <laughs> <laughs> halloumi. Halloumi. She didn't even know me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and an egg. And yeah. it was, it was that dish that I, that I'd made. So I cut up sweet potatoes, kind of like, you know, slices of toast, slices of bread. I thought, okay, let's see if let's, I'm going to try an alternate carb to bread. Not that I really eat it, but over the, over the holidays I was. So let's see what happens here. And there wasn't that much of a difference for me using the sweet potato, call it toast. Cause I just baked it or actual like sourdough CD kind of bread. There wasn't that much of a difference. And yet on top, there was still seeds, greens, mushrooms, like there was still all the proteins and the fats on top of it. So again, more intel that I have from doing these different tests, but I'm just saying this to people who maybe don't have a glucose monitor stuck on their arm and they're not measuring is there are certain trigger foods. And I've even texted you and said, wasabi peas. Mm -hmm what the hell happened with this? I thought, I thought peas had protein in them. But they also have other things. And then your number one question was MSG question mark on my text. I was like, Oh, didn't think about that. So now I'm also looking out for MSG and thinking like, wow, that went up, but basically go back to the, to the sweet potato. And it was a test that I did where I just had three pieces of sweet potato and I watched how, how I responded and how I felt. So the rest of the day, I felt off. I felt grumpy. I didn't feel great. I was looking for chocolate in the middle of the afternoon and not just like my lovely dark chocolate where I, where I feel like I just need a little something. This was like, what have I got? Like go to the bottom of the cupboard, the stuff that fell to the bottom of the cupboard that I'd missed, you know, like that sort of foraging for some sort of sugar just from a straight carb. 
and how it affected me. And no one likes that feeling because it's more out of control. And then you beat yourself up because you feel like, oh God, I can't control myself where you just kind of lose it. So from the mental aspect of it, you beat yourself up, you got more negative self-talk going on, but you actually metabolically can't help it. So metabolically, when you get to that point, you become irrational. And I find it helps to have little memory triggers or, you know, little statements in the back of your brain that will kick in little subliminal training. For example, uh, you can't triple stamp a double stamp, right? (laughs) That triggers something for a lot of people. You're like, wait a minute, what? Triple stamp a double stamp. Oh, what is, yeah. Hang on a minute. Exactly. What's it's, that one all about? Dumb and dumber. Okay. So. Oh, you can't triple stamp a okay. double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Right, right. Lloyd. Lloyd. Oh. Lloyd. Lloyd. <laughs> but that's a subliminal. <laughs> Clearly, I haven't trigger. seen that one. Okay. So it's in the back of your head now. So now you're thinking, oh, that's right. Yeah. The subliminal. When you're irrational, you can yeah. trigger those things as a training point of view. What I get everybody to understand for meta- metabolism is. You never eat an unopposed carb. Which means? That means is you never have a carb or a starch by itself. Right. So if you're going to have a sweet potato, you better put some fat on it. Yeah. And it's best to do a starch with a little fat. You don't want to do a lot of fat with a little starch because that'll crank your cholesterol and triglycerides. But if you do a little fat on a lot of starch, it'll balance the blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And studies have been shown, Chris, you'll love this. <laughs> oatmeal raisin cookies. Right. They did low fat oatmeal raisin cookies and it spiked the blood sugar like crazy. The raisins. Then they did regular oatmeal raisin cookies made with butter. Oh. And the blood sugar was normal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Redemption. <laughs> I I thought so too. But it's all in the ratioing of starch, fiber, and fat. Uh, so I see. The fastest way to ruin your metabolism is to eat the way the government tells us to eat, which is low fat. Right. Don't do that. Yeah. But then there's also something to be said for if you're going for, you know, if you've ever heard about keto, if you've listened to episode one of this, where we went into keto, all of those kind of things, then there's also your better type of fats as opposed to all saturated fat of, you know, your bacon all day long or, you know, your traditional keto type thing. So more avocado in your day, more avocado oil. I've been using that, that, that gets uh, sprinkled on top of my sweet potato pile of egg and mushroom and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And it's a really lovely oil. I'm really, I'm really enjoying, enjoying that one. So there's a lot of, a lot of little tweaks to this. So, you know, why don't we just, is there, is there um, further to what we've been talking about Let's say somebody is has decided they're going to do intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. They're going to break their fast with a protein. Fiber. Then, yep. And relatively low carbohydrate. Okay. And then what does the rest of the day look like? carbohydrate, you're going to crash the rest of the day. Right. And then you're going to end up like me looking at the bottom of the cupboard for the yeah. sweetest possible thing. Just to Coffee, say. crisp. Get out, get out of your, it was a British chocolate actually that I ended up finding. The uh, one thing I I find to help really busy people is, you know, time is an issue. And so if you can put together your favorite type of meal replacement shake during the week or on work days, then you know, it's ready to go. Right. And you can put like, you have kids boost and all these other things to boost the nutrient quality of this shake. That way you're, you fix your macros. You're putting an easily digestible thing into your body. You could even just bring a salad to work with some protein on it, dress it when you get there. Um, right. Honestly, when you talk about this stuff, the, the fun factor is relatively low for most of us. You yeah. know, there, There's not a lot of fun in having a salad for breakfast. But if you make it fun because you know your eyes are on the prize, you're in it to win it, when the results start happening, and, and I do this all the time with people, I love it when multimillionaires walk into their doctor's office and start swearing at them. Because now they're off all their medications. Right. They don't need joint replacement surgery. Their cancer is gone. And their doctor says, well, you're going to kill yourself. And it's the opposite. They actually followed our rules. And in, in six to 12 months, they're a different human. And also thinking that a lot of these issues can't be reversed. Oh, is, to- yeah. Yeah. It's mind blowing for a lot of people. And I've talked about that on radio too. And the host said, well, what do you mean you can reverse diabetes? And I said, yeah, not insulin dependent, yeah, not, not, the not, 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 not type yeah, one, right. 
but any anyone else. I spoke to someone the other night who said my husband's recently been um, diagnosed with diabetes. And I immediately, it wasn't a part of our conversation. It was just a, a quick 15 minute call about supplements, which I offer. And there was just no discussion about what on earth can we do? So I could just imagine going down there. Well, now I'll talk to the dietitian. Now we'll make sure that we're measuring your carbs, your protein, all of those kind of things. The more traditional medical route to go down. Whereas something like what we're talking about here, we've only talked about food. I know you've got some stuff to talk about with exercise too. And then also let's recap on the sleep again. These are all the things to be able to do every single day. There's no, there's no quick fix. And when you start to see it, that's when you change it. Right. You you start to see some warning signs. It's a 90 day switchover and you're great. Right. Um, An infection can sabotage this too. You know, uh, people forget that. When you have an infection for more than a few days, regardless of the type, it could be a UTI, it's going to change your metabolism. And that's why after you're over your infection, it's really important to eat the cleanest you can, move within the limits of your body. It's it's, the old adage, get rest, eat good food, drink clean water. I think really what I've been finding, and and I've taken it to to another level, because there's not much I have a whole bunch of packaged food in the cupboards. And I realized the other day as I was trying to find something in the back of the cupboard, not the chocolate, but maybe some quinoa or something like that. Then um, I was like, God, I've got all these foods and I really am not, you know, I'm not kind of working with them because everything, I just keep going to my fridge to make whatever it is that I'm, you know, the fresh fruits, the vegetables, the the meat or the fish and the, and the mushrooms. Like, you know, my diet's really pretty boring. It's boring. Yeah. Um, but there's all these crackers and all sorts of groovy things, pastas and all that stuff that I'm just, I'm not really going for. So even if you find yourself going to the cupboard and grabbing the pasta, okay, what other kind of pasta could you find instead of your typical one? There's a million different pastas out there now that are made of beans and chickpeas and all these kind of things. So maybe that's a switch up for, uh, you know, for a listener who wants to do something better, but is not quite there ready to ditch the pasta and just have the vegetables and the fish for dinner. So there's a whole bunch of other things that you can, you know, that you can do. So yeah, some goat cheese ravioli and a nice Alfredo sauce. Yep. You can eat that, but you sh- you shouldn't eat 12 raviolis. Right. So we have the portion piece of metabolism. You can break your metabolism by eating too much. Mm. So some, some coaches say, oh, you got to eat every 90 to 120 minutes. Well, now you're just making yourself dependent on food. Right. Um, and that's, you know, like you brought up air travel. Well, what would happen if they didn't feed you on a flight? Would you make it all the way to LA or would you would you need to land in Salt Lake to get off for a medical emergency? Probably land up with a lot of hangry um, yes. people on the plane, which would yeah, be Complacency good for is one of the things on the menu. You know, right. keep everybody happy, free drinks for everybody. Yeah. Uh, alcohol will break your metabolism if you drink all day, obviously. Um, if you have a cocktail in the evening, try to do it before seven. You know, you'll metabolize it out before you go to bed. And what is that cocktail? A gin and tonic? One, one serving of alcohol, which is typically an ounce of grain alcohol, a six ounce glass of wine. It'd be one to two beer. Okay. Um, and then the mixer that can go into, what is it no you sugar. put in your, mi- your mixer there, Chris? Uh, whiskey and ginger. Yeah. Right. Whiskey and nice. ginger. It used to be whiskey and root beer. And now the root beer tends to be... Um, tends to repeat on me a little bit because of all that. I think it's the sugar in the root beer. I, I think, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it my something's changed in me where I don't uh, digest the root beer very well. Okay. Organic so, ginger ale. Organic. I, I, no, I don't even know where you'd find organic ginger ale. <laughs> Fever tree. Fever tree. What's have you, that? Have you ever, have you ever seen that? That's a brand. No, is of, that of gin, your... ginger ale, of okay. tonic, of that kind of thing. You might, you might find it in your supermarket. Okay. It actually has cane sugar in it as oh. opposed to high fructose corn syrup. How good is that soda stream stuff? Is it terrible uh, the stuff? The soda stream is great. Is it's it? the syrupy stuff that you put in there. And as like mocktails and all of this is becoming like, you know, for your dry January and all that kind of stuff, you can actually find like a, an artisan, let's call it syrup that will taste like, you know, your ginger ale or your tonic or something like that. And then you add it to your soda stream bubbly water. And, you know, it's a taste change. It's not as sweet as probably what you're having right now. Mm -hmm. But even if you added honey or real sugar to it, as opposed to the high fructose corn syrup, I'd call that a win. 
Would you, Davis? Yeah, that, that's what you're going to do. I'm not a big fan of dry January. I mean, you got football playoffs for crying out loud. Exactly. <laughs> no, not the dry January. Hey, whoever came up with it was the not a sports fan. Silly. Hey, here's a fun stat. The wine industry's panicking because the only growth that they've had in the last two years was the over 60 group. Oh, Apparently, really? the uh, 21 to 34 group doesn't buy or drink wine. Well, yeah. that's okay. They're broke anyway. <laughs> right. My friends alone could keep the wine industry up and running. Trust me. Right. Let's talk about exercise. That is going to be metabolically healthy. I'm going to guess. Yes. In, in relative speaking, you know, we've talked about how we broke the metabolism. How do we fix it? Right. Yes. Well, the, the time restricted eating, you have to train your body and your cells to get used to fending for themselves. Just like kids, if you do everything for them all the time, they're, they're not going to, they're never going to tie their shoes on their own. Yeah. Just, just let them go feral for a summer and they'll be great people. Right. Um, so with exercise, a lot of the problems people have is they can remember when they were teenagers, I used to be able to bench 235. That's what I'm going to do. And they're 45. So their brain has no recollection of what they've done in the last 30 years. So let's start with walking. Mm. We're going to start with two miles or 3.2 kilometers. Thank you. 10,000 steps, depending on how big of a step, like just that's your daily goal. Another one will be 45 minutes, depending on how you know far and fast Fast you walk. So 45 minutes twice a day. If you can do that, you will start getting your cells to breathe, if you will, energy and life back into the metabolism. You've got to get the furnace turned back on. Not to geek out on chemistry, but this whole process we're talking about really goes back to the idea of something called AMPK. A lot of listeners have probably heard of Bulletproof or they've, they've seen other podcasts or YouTubes about anti-aging, and it goes to this cellular process called AMPK. It's the holy grail of aging and metabolism. And the fastest way to turn that on is literally to not eat. But there is a plant extract that you can use to turn this back on and repair your metabolism. And it's a Chinese herb. Uh, In the West, we call it gynostemma pentaphylum. There are oodles of research on gynostemma and its ability to burn fat so it shrinks fat cells and you can get it at any health food store your dosage is going to be 600 to a thousand milligrams a day of the extract Uh, worst case scenario it might give you loose stools and that's because you're burning fat wow that's very cool i'm sure sure i've got a physico gynostemma But yeah, you got to move. And then once the you've got your fitness tracker and you're tracking your steps and you're trying new routes and, you know, 45 minutes is easy, then you might get really crazy and just maybe even try to run a bit or you go to the gym and try something new. Right. Or, you know, just get creative. Don't think of it as exercise. Think of it as therapy. And then as you're going through your mindfulness and your affirmations, I won't eat butter tarts. I won't eat butter tarts. Whatever it is you're thinking to yourself while you're walking and clearing your head, you're balancing your neurotransmitters. So when you get back to wherever you live, you're not thinking, I got to eat something because you've already cleared your head. So the emotional connection to eating will have been fractured. Then you can actually make a real meal if you have food available. Um, And that's the other component to this is don't have an empty pantry. Then you're more predisposed to forage. Yeah, making a peanut butter sandwich or something, which it's not the end of the world, but it's not the best metabolic fuel. No, peanut butter on top of uh, an apple. Sure. Peanut butter on top of a banana. Hey, fun fact. If you're using a glucose monitor, you really got to watch fruit. Yep, berries. I see people on glucose monitors, they'll eat an apple and it's the end of the day. They're done. Yeah. I've done experiments on myself. I did one this morning just for posterity's sake. Mm -hmm. I broke my fast with half of a banana. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. Wow. I'm losing consciousness. My pupils are weird. I can't think straight. I'm like, see, this is what fruit does to me. Wow. So then I had, you know, protein shake and we're good to go. Right. Never eat an unopposed carb. Even that. So let's say you did have a spoonful of almond butter is my preference of yep. peanut butter. Then 
better case scenario, preferably the mouthful of the almond butter, peanut butter, sunflower yep. butter, whatever it is first, and then yep. follow it up with the banana, the apple, Always. the pear. Yeah, I mean, whatever. fruit has benefits. We sure. want the fiber from the fruit. Bananas don't have any fiber, but we want fiber from the berries, the apples. Right. Carrots will spike the blood sugar, so on and so forth. Um, but we still want what's in them. So you got to make sure there's fat or protein to go with it. Okay, so we're dealing with our food. Maybe intermittent fasting or pushing to at least 12 hours in terms of what you're eating. Yeah. You're taking a look at yourself in the mirror, an honest look with or without tissues, if right. you, you know, and, <laughs> and maybe a measuring tape, your phone, your camera, whatever it is that you're comfortable with, just to assess where you are. Look at your sleep, get your tracker out, start seeing if there's an app that you can use for that, and then go for a big long walk twice a day. Yoga is a program, movement, and breathing. Okay. It's very low heart rate unless you're doing hot yoga mm-hmm. or handstands or anything that really makes you stress. Yep, um, yep. Again, the idea with exercise isn't just aerobic and, and burning calories. It's therapy. You need right. to clear your head. And mm-hmm. yoga, tai chi, qigong, pilates, those are all really good for clearing your head. A huge connection for me was the connection between the your your metabolism and basically your brain and the stress levels, mm-hmm. right? That's a huge one for me. It may not be the easiest one, but it's the first one I'm thinking of because if yeah. you can somehow, if through mindfulness or however you do it, if you can somehow lower that stress level, then you're already on a good road, a good path to fixing or helping your metabolism. Is, is, that, is that fair to say? Yeah, you become free. You're not a slave to your cravings, your metabolism. You don't have to have whatever it is that's going to make you feel better. Right. Yeah. See, that's a huge one for me. Huge. Huge. And and managing your stress can yeah. be with breath work, can be with um, meditation, my morning yoga. I'm still doing yoga with Adrian's center 30 day program that she, you know, she always does that every, um, every January. And I love it for the accountability And the first thing she says is you've done the hardest part by showing up on the mat. Same thing. If you're going to go for a walk, hardest thing is, is to carve out that time, put your shoes on, off you go. But to the stress piece, Chris, that you're talking about, it's really hard to get rid of all stress from your life. Sure. But it is a mindset. It is very much a mindset. No, you can't get rid of it because so many factors add into it. But it is a mindset. It's ironic. I don't know if that's the right term. But that that th- this generation is <laughs> is often called lazy. Meanwhile, they're so wound up. They're so tight. Yeah. And, you know, full of stress, full of anxieties. Easily triggered, too. Yeah, exactly. Short fuse. Very much so. Do you think that comes down to their resiliency, their bandwidth? Yeah. They were also born into a very toxic landscape. Sure. So their yeah. nervous system is very irritable. Yeah. Yeah, whole and, vagus nerve. Go back and listen to the vagus yeah. nerve. What was that, 86 or something, episode 86 about the vagus nerve. The yeah. number one listen to, I'll just say, Davis. Um, you know, the things that I observe is super, um, you know, obviously anxiety, depression, all of those things. But the overwhelm that's there is off the charts from a lot of self-pressure. And I've noticed this with a bunch of different teens or different parents that I talk to. And I'm like, wow, you know, I... I can identify with things as a teenager that I was feeling back then, but what is it that you see teens doing the most or that generation doing the most? And I absolutely say, I don't think I'm the only parent is face in phone, Mm -hmm. which means on social media scrolling, there is a constant comparing. There's the dopamine hits, but there's this, Oh, I just, I think I need, you know, I didn't, I need a bit of a break. So let me go on my phone. Well, everybody does that, not just the teenagers. And then, you know, that's their distraction. They don't actually have any downtime at all. It's constant stimulation. The state of Wisconsin banned TikTok yesterday. Really? All government employees, police, (laughs) fire, all of it. Nice. Because it's affecting their health so much. Well, here's a mental exercise to do with everybody on a weekend. If you've got a family or you've got younger people around, The year is 1986 and you're trapped in it. Mm. Now, the three of us would be leaders because anybody born after 2000 would be completely lost. Mm -hmm. I'll let you fill in the blanks, go through the mental exercise. But remember, there's no phone. 
There's no Uber. There's no internet. Uh, your phone is attached to the wall. You might actually have to walk somewhere and talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to use a TV guide. Yeah. There's no cable. <laughs> There's no streaming. Where would I yeah. get a, a TV guide now? <laughs> exactly. What are we? What would? So that's the thought process. It's. I mean, '86. It was a long time ago, but it really wasn't. No. Yeah. And in a metabolic point of view, yep. you can see what's happened. We, in only four decades, have given up on the mechanisms that we were born with exactly. to manage stress. Yep. So, you know, correct them. I mean, we, we kind of have to be sensitive to certain people's needs these days. So sure. we watch what we say. Uh, and we're not living their world. But uh, just as a retreat exercise, you know, if you're in Costa Rica petting a horse, you say, hey, what would 1986 look like? Well, we had the power go out the other day, so we went back to 1686, which was kind of yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, but that was fun. Card games, candlelight, you know, that was basically how it worked. It was great. There's okay. a, a and, final and there piece. will be there will be memories made from that. Group. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The final piece I'll leave you with. I think everybody should look this up. It's called synesthesia. S-Y-N. Synesthesia. Okay. And it's a neurologic condition that's getting a lot of light right now because some people perceive reality completely different than a, a what we call a normal human being. Mm. They may see sounds or hear colors. And the BBC did a piece on this recently where artists with synesthesia <clears throat> are painting what they see their world to be like. And it's phenomenal. Wow. So all of us have it. And and young children are this way too. So the question yeah. is, how did we lose it? And I think our relationship with food addiction is one of the things that changed our reality. Interesting. So blow your mind on that one since it's cold and dark and we have time to read. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for imparting what we need to know, but didn't know that we need to know. And maybe this is setting things up for our lovely loyal listeners to go into this next year in a more aware but gentle way in coming at things rather than, to me, dealing with your metabolism does not necessarily feel like like work. And maybe this is because I've been messing around with this glucose monitor. Maybe this is because I've been ready for it. But really what's on the other side of this and the balance that you can experience really honestly, and not just because it's how I end every podcast with like one mouthful at a time <laughs> is like it, it seems it's achievable. You can change your dreams or you can change your habits. I choose habits. Right, well, once again, Dr. V, thank you so much for imparting all of that information. There's a few key things that we talked about, continuous or flash glucose monitor. Like I said, I promise there will be more on that, but maybe that's something that you'll start to see around there. We did throw around the term insulin resistance, so I have a lot more notes so that you can understand what that's about over on leannephillipson.com. We have discussed that in the past, but I thought maybe you can just do a little bit more research on that and your overall metabolic health. That can hopefully be something that you can, uh, you can, can start to dig into in 2023 as you go through this year. So I will say thank you, of course, to Chris, who's behind the scenes that you get to hear his the dulcet tones of his fabulous voice because we're not doing this on video. And thank you for continuing to be along with us on this ride, our lovely loyal listeners, because we are grateful that you're here investing in your health. Now, like I said, over on leannephillipson.com, also on spartright.com, you'll hear more and find out more about the things that we've talked about. I do actually put all of the radio segments over on spartright.com so you can hear that one that I referenced today as well. So just because we've got so much information already, I'll just really sign off super quick and say, reach out if there's anything that you need at all through the websites or on social media. Thanks for being here. And please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.